Hi, welcome uh, to the Christians in Sport podcast. And it is with Graham Daniels, but the boot is on the other foot today uh, as I'm going to interview him. My name's Johnny Reed, and we have a really special episode this week as uh, Dano and another member of staff at Christians in Sport, a lady called Jules, are down under currently at the Commonwealth Games. Uh, the friendly games over on the Gold Coast in Australia. It's 11 days of action, um, 275 events, 19 sports, 71 teams. There's loads of people out there. Um, and my first question, Dano, as we, we catch up with you now is, what on earth are you doing out there? Well, I'm spending my time in the athlete's village. Uh, that's uh, the day job. Uh, and at the heart of that is that we, at the start of the games, we knew a number of athletes who have come to a meeting of Christians on the Diamond League Tour, uh, track and field, for example. We know athletes in the different sports that are here from different parts of the world, from our lifetime's work in elite work. So we're here really to help them think through the impact of being a Christian in the heat of the moment in a major sports event. Great. And before we dive into maybe some of the details, just set the scene for us. Where, where are you now? Um, where are you based? Uh, what's it like practically for you on the ground? Well, uh, the, the Commonwealth Games Village is at the end of a brand new tram line, which is on the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast is a city. It's a funny name for a city, isn't it? Yeah. it? It is a city, actually, or a bunch of suburbs. And uh, if anyone's really interested, because they're expats <laughs> who live in Oz, or, or they've been here, uh, I'm staying in Mermaid Beach. Uh, I daren't say this, there, right? It's <laughs> 100 yards from the beach. Amazing. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm with a mate of mine called Gary French, who I played football with for three seasons. And he coaches uh, football, uh, soccer, uh, here on the Gold Coast. Uh, what's been interesting, really, is a number of uh, ex-English league professional footballers who I've already met because of Frenchie, my pal. Mm. Uh, and, of course, he's networked here because he's been here for some years. And there's a lot of people working here who, are, who have been in professional soccer uh, who spent some years here working in Australian soccer as well. Wow, small world. Small um, world. Small, small world. world. So uh, what does that actually look like for you day to day then? You've been out there about a week now, haven't you? Um, jet lag, hopefully, nearly finished with it. But what does it look like day for day for you and Jules? As you, you're official chaplains, aren't you? Um, so what does that look like? Yeah, official chaplains. Well, the oddest thing, because uh, I haven't been to Australia before, is... Uh, I'm, I'm talking to you right now and it's yesterday and it's today here and I cannot get my head around it. However hard I try, you and I are talking. For me, it's like 20 to 8 in the morning. For you, it's 20 to 11 at night. So I know who's got the best deal on this one and it's not, it's not you. Um, uh, what a day would look like is that uh, you're, we're in the village so we spend as much of our time as possible in the village because all the athletes are there unless they're out training or competing. It's where they live, it's where they eat, uh, and it's where they have their downtime. Uh, therefore, the primary thing is uh, we'll get in 11 or 12 o'clock. Uh, we live in different parts of the city, so Jules comes in at different times to me. But I I'm generally getting in between 11 and 12, and somewhere around lunchtime and onwards, that's when... Most of the time, athletes are having their rest, their stretching time, their eating time. And that'll be the time just to slot in uh, 45 minutes or an hour to sit together, usually drinking copious amounts of water hmm. uh, for hydration, 
for them, <laughs> coffee for me, yeah. uh, and, and opening the Bible up, really, uh, and letting God feed us. Now, what does happen with that is that over the course of the last week, a, a number of people that we knew already have said, could we have a Bible study with friends? Uh, so a number of times somebody's brought a friend along, or, for example, I was with One Nation just a couple of nights ago where uh, a senior coach and a couple of Christian athletes had said, could we go to their block? And we had uh, eight or ten people, mixture of people who, who are thinking about Christianity and mm -hmm. people who are already Christians, uh, in a Bible discussion. Great. That's brilliant. And, and as in help us understand, obviously it's... Uh, we produce these podcasts for Christian sports people and those looking in as well, those exploring what it means to be a Christian. And, and some of my questions would be, you're experiencing it now at, at what will be the pinnacle uh, or near to the pinnacle for a lot of these guys in their sports. Um, what are you looking at them when you open the Bible with them? What does it have to say to them in this sort of situation? Well, it's well documented. Uh, so sociology of sport has documented that for athletes, if, you, if they put on a pair of glasses to look at their career, when you ask them about their career, particularly afterwards, they'll generally talk about their career through two lenses. Mm. One, they'll talk about their coach. Mm. And two, they'll talk about being injured. Mm. So that data really helps when you're meeting with somebody because mm. I'll generally say how's training going how's it going with a coach I think mm. particular particularly in the more individual sports where the relationship's very very close with the coach uh, in a team you're one of a crowd in individual sports it's an intense co uh, relationship really so I'll often start by saying how's it going with training how's it going with a coach uh, any niggles Athletes will always be thinking of those two things mm. uh, because in the back of their minds, for, for, particularly in the team sports, let's change that to team sports. They're wondering if they're going to start. Mm. Will they be picked? So that's generally a sort of opening question. Uh, inevitably, people are thinking about being away from home. Uh, and fundamentally, it's about pressure. Yeah. Fundamentally, the difference here is when you're back home, uh, in the UK, which is generally where you'll have your one-to-ones with people, it's after training. Here, they're away from home to compete. Yeah. And it's the pressure uh, and the questions of their identity under pressure that are primary ones that we look at when we look in the Bible to see what God has to say about who you are. And help us, help us maybe if we're listening in and we go, oh, uh. As in, great, I can, I can get that in some senses, but when we actually get to the start line and you're dealing with somebody who this, their funding could be riding on this, uh, something could be massive for them. Um, how does knowing who you are help in that situation? And, and what does the Bible say about who I am? One of the first Bible studies uh, I'll often do with an athlete if I'm getting to know them uh, is that I look at the introduction to one of Paul's letters. So in the second letter to Thessalonians, chapter 1 and verse 1, uh, Paul does it in other places. He simply greets people by saying, uh, in God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ to the church at Thessalonica, 
in God our Father and in our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the a, a version of an early Bible study I do would be to say, no, let's read this together. Now, what do you read there? What do you see? Mm. And we'll pick out God is our Father and Jesus Christ is our Lord. And then he says, grace and peace to you. Now, the thrust of the Bible study will be saying to the, to the athlete, do you see this? You have a heavenly father if you've turned to Christ. And, and of course, not all of us have a good experience of a father. Mm. But looking at the model of God as father, God loves us. He's for us. He wants the best for us. He wants to discipline us to be the person he would love us to turn out to be. So part one of two is driving home for the athlete that if you win the gold or go out in the first round, if you have turned to Christ and God is your father, you are loved far more than whether you win or lose. Mm. You just are. You're loved because you're you. Your identity is not defined to God by whether you are best or worst mm. in your sport. He is for you. However, that's the bedrock of faith, but there is more to say. And we'll go on to look at God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is Lord. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've turned to Christ, not only have you certainty that God loves you, whatever happens in that competition, your identity is not based on how well you've done mm. in God's eyes. It's God that you look to in the stands when it's over. As you look to your mum and dad, you look to him because he's for you, whatever happened there. But we have a Lord, which is a leader, a master, a head coach. Our Lord is Jesus Christ. He is our boss and he has a vocation for us. And I'll say to the athlete, now, you, you do get this, don't you? If you have turned to Christ and you have a father in heaven who's for you, win, lose, or tie, mm. this means that you are under the lordship of Christ. He's your leader. Now, uh, and this always opens an athlete's eyes. You say to, to a chap, that you do get this, don't you? The one who made 100 million galaxies mm. made your fast twitch fibers, <laughs> made your hand-eye coordination, made your foot-eye coordination, made you capable of being an athlete who is in this Commonwealth Games village on the Gold Coast right now for your country because God made you able to do it. This is where you will live out the Lordship of Christ this week. It's not esoteric. Mm. It's not vague. It's very, very specific. Yeah. And that, uh, uh, sorry, that's a long answer really, no. but you, you can pick up on that because that, that awareness that absolutely clear awareness mm -hmm. that having been saved, having turned to Christ and having God as your father, the unconditional love that that brings to you leads to an understanding of your vocation. Mm. And it is no mistake. And that those people listening to our podcast, it is no mistake that the God who loves you unconditionally also made you an athlete. Yeah, and which, that's where he will work out your vocation with you. Which gives you amazing, a real sense of purpose of those who, who do currently believe in Jesus at those games um, to go, this is, 
in some ways we, we use the phrase don't we born to play this is what I was made to do to to compete and, and win lose or draw it's it's an opportunity to um, to worship God as they use their bodies as they as they do that for him um, I think well, I, 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 yeah. got underlying everything we do with Christians in sport isn't it you've used the phrase we're born mm. to play uh, and you know we're not complicated people here mm. in, in work that we do we really believe what I've just said and what you've just summarized in three neat words. But mm. the danger is always that you separate those two things. And so there's always been a danger about Christianity and sport where people think that you've got to do the best that you can with your sport because somehow that will make God feel better about you. Mm. And that causes a problem because then our faith becomes about almost superstition. Mm. You know, the more religious I am, the mm. better chance I've got of getting favor. You have to flip that on his head. The Christian mm. good news is that Christ died as our substitute because we cannot earn the right to a relationship with God, whatever we achieve. Mm. Worldly success, fame, it won't do. Winning, it won't do. It's free. But so often in the drive to say God loves you unconditionally, we don't earth what it looks like to work out that salvation. As it says, Paul writes to the Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling mm. in chapter 2, verse 11 onwards, because it is God who works in you mm. to fulfill and work out his purposes. Because that to is say, so, sorry, I was just going to say, it is so countercultural, isn't it, for an athlete particularly, where the whole life is driven around performance. Um, yeah. And... You, 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 as you perform, as you do better, as you win, um, you earn more recognition, you earn more status, you um, become more experienced and you're looked upon in your career. And so the, the gospel just flips that entirely on its head for an athlete, doesn't it, as you just explained? It, it does flip it on its head because for all of us, I mean, our world is athletics, it's sports. Mm. So we could, of course, you can apply this anywhere in the world. Mm. It, brilliantly summarized uh, it's brilliantly summarized again by paul in ephesians chapter 2 uh, and I, I know we don't often read out from the bible in the podcast but but watch the balancing act of this in ephesians 2 8 to 10 if people do pick it up to look at it there's the classic statement of what it is to be saved by faith in ephesians 2 8 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith mm. it's not from yourselves it's the gift of god it's not by works so that no one can boast. Becoming a Christian is something you can't earn. Mm. God sends his son. His son dies on the cross. He takes our punishment. The price is paid. The penalty done. Justice is done. And we are then free to have a relationship with God. Freely. It's a present. It's a gift. But all the time, the New Testament then says things like this. In verse 10, not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 9. Then verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, historically, Protestant Christianity has said, you cannot be saved by your own effort. It's a gift. But having become a child of God with our Heavenly Father, we have a vocation. There are things prepared from the beginning of time where we can, to quote the Philippians verses, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So for an elite athlete, mm. 
it's an eye-opener, both the concept that the God the Father loves us unconditionally mm-hmm. and our Lord Jesus Christ has a vocation for us. So now we're back full circle. You're looking at God's word to say, you have an incredible privilege. God has become your heavenly father. And you have a vocation as a hockey player, as a mm-hmm. boxer, uh, at, at the range of sports that I've met and discussed with. You have a vocation in this village to be Christ's child in the context of your teammates and your opponent. You've got pressure. Mm-hmm. You've got expectation. But embrace it because the Lord put you here to grow, to grow as a human being mm. with an audience of one. Now, that's incredibly helpful and, and obviously explains part of the reason why it's so important to have a team of chaplains out there just helping the athletes who, like, like we know as well, will be traveling around the world, will be um, spending time training away from friends, away from family, away from church. Um, and so, so important that they're able to uh, keep uh, looking to Christ, keep fixing eyes on Jesus, keep understanding these truths and seeing how that works out in this really high pressure situation as they, they go to these major events. And for other sports people listening in who may be, uh, maybe you're an elite footballer, top level footballer, then in some ways that's every Saturday for you, isn't it? Top of your game, um, top of your sport as you try and grapple and deal with what does it look like um, to live with God as your father. Jesus. Well, well, exactly. So I, I, I'm looking at a list of names now, which I won't quote because it's yeah. for them to talk about their faith in public, but, but taking these absolutely bedrock Bible concepts mm. of unconditional love through Jesus Christ. And then constantly remembering that we're accepted because of Christ, not because of our effort, but then and exactly in the right order saying, but there's things that he has made me and given me and he's put me in this situation and I'm an athlete or a player or a coach. This is where I live. So I'm looking at my list. There's a fantastic guy, a Paralympian, 16 years at international level, an absolutely brilliant leader in an African country mm. who's captaining his, his team, the whole team. They've merged Olympic and Paralympic uh, athletes in these games for the first time. He's captain of the whole thing. He's an absolute giant. He's a pioneer of Paralympic sport in his country. He's still competing to this day. And he's pulling people around him all over the place who have massive respect for him. Hmm. And as he's getting ready to compete, the conversation is, I must remember that because of Christ, win, lose, I am loved unconditionally. And... God has given me an incredible privilege of having a body that can compete in my chair at international level for 18 years. Mm. That's how he conducts himself. I think of a younger guy mm. who's, a, who's a hockey player, mm. who's been a follower of Jesus a couple of years, a few years, uh, and he had a game this week. And I said, how are you, how are you feeling? He said, Ugh, it's late in the evening, the game. Mm. I'm on match day, I get really anxious. And I've got all day to survive. Mm. Uh, and we looked at the Bible uh, and we reminded ourselves of those two concepts. Mm. That's it. And then thirdly, I think of a, a serious, significant global play in sports psychology for a big nation who's mm. a Christian. Uh, and you sit with him and of course he can unpack biblical truths and apply them into the world of sports psychology. 
What is it to feel safe is the first big idea. What is my identity? Well, the Christian can say to themselves and fire their neural pathways. Hmm. My identity is in God, my Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am valuable. I am not to be defined by my performance. And that is a firing of neural pathways that is the best form of psychology and security. But it's earthed in God. And that would be his starting point. And then he will, and he's done tons of work on it, say, now, if you can constantly remind yourself and fire your brain to remember that, hmm. then you can train your mind to rejoice in the gifts that God has given you mm-hmm. and the privilege he's given you of being in this race with these other people who are as good as you mm-hmm. and that you can take the talent that has been given as a gift and enjoy sharing that experience with other people around you and you can win with humility and lose with dignity. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody knows that in a fractured world, holding on to those two truths yeah. is really hard. Really hard yeah. But when you've got a senior, high-level, global player in sports psychology who is a Christian, seeing zero tension between mm. coaching national athletes to think of good sports psychology, of course they're not all Christians, mm. but he has no tension in his worldview between what makes you think clearly on identity and vocation. Mm. No, Dan, that's incredibly helpful. I think for, well, we, we hope for people listening in, just a helpful insight into what it looks like to, um, for some of these athletes who you've obviously been chatting to who are saying to you firsthand, what does it look like to um, deal with this pressure and deal with this anxiety, which, which a lot of us have to identify with, and, and how can uh, a worldview which is... Um, it's biblical um, and one which um, puts Jesus as Lord is, uh, is compatible with being a top level sportsman as well. Um, incredibly encouraging. So thanks for your time, Dano. Uh, any, any particular highlights you're looking forward to in Australia in the next week or two? Well, really, here's the, here's the best thing about being at these games. I, I know this will get me into trouble, but there's a lot of Welsh people here, really. <laughs> so I'm spending my life hanging around. <laughs> Hanging around the Welsh, Welsh headquarters, and uh, it's fantastic. I'm at a major global sporting event, and there's there's taffies everywhere with a red dragon on. <laughs> so I have to confess to a slight bias towards the Welsh. Well, you're, you're ninth in the medal same table at the moment. Um, I don't think anyone's going to overtake the Aussies, but uh, they've had a rough time with it in sport at the moment. So we'll we'll give them this one. But uh, hopefully, it'll be a great uh, last week. Thanks for your time, Dan. It's been class. Fantastic, Reedy. All the best. And uh, I wouldn't mind doing all my podcasts from here if you like. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Thanks for your time, Dan. And thanks for listening. Uh, We've had a little bit of a hiatus of the Christian Support Podcast. We're back on next month. We're going to look over the next five weeks or five months at the five months issue of retirement. Uh, as an elite athlete, what does it look like to deal with retirement? We're going to be interviewing top-level athletes about how they've dealt with it, uh, how their faith has impacted that as well. So we'll see you next month. Take care.